It's a lonely job leadership. You need a lot of courage, people who doubt you. You're creating a vision for change that most people haven't even thought of. They're waiting for someone to create the vision of change, but you are the chosen one that needs to do it. So a couple of these things I think mixed up will help you deal with those failures. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. And we are live. I'm super excited to have my next guest on. He's a part of the CEO, actually, of an organization I really admire here in Calgary. Uh, Haider Hassan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me. Absolutely. Uh, how about we jump, jump right into it? Uh, tell us uh, your origin story, what, uh, how you came to where you are today. Yes. So the origin story started in 1999. I'm a son of newcomers that came from Pakistan. And I have two other siblings. I have a younger brother and a sister. And we settled in north of Toronto. And uh, my dad had worked as an engineer all over the world. He had worked in China, Venezuela, Finland as a pipeline engineer, metallurgical engineer, and even the States. But when we came here, they told him that he did not have the Canadian experience, quote unquote. So he wasn't able to get a job in his field. So that really impacted the family. And uh, from there on, you know, I had to step in to do what we would call today. It's ironic. It's come full circle for me. I wish I had known about Immigrant Services Calgary and Gateway at that point. And uh, so we were one of those 70% of families that come to Canada that don't know that services like this exist, that are in fact sponsored by the federal government, provincial government, city, and uh, use of private donor funds as well, and social enterprise. So long story short, uh, I had to step into the role of helping out the family and uh, started working at Harvey's, in fact, in my week two of being in Canada with my mother. So because my dad had some cash flow issues because he wasn't expecting to downgrade his income. And, uh, you know, I, uh, we, I, I worked there for two years and I remember like all the paychecks would go into a drawer and I didn't take a dime for myself. So everything went to the family. And, um, and so that was the interesting journey. Um, I started grade 10 and so I was, I would go to school, ride my bike in the snow to Harvey's because, uh, it was cheaper. I didn't want to pay the the bus fare, even, <laughs> which was discounted, because I said, you know, maybe that one dollar saved could go to the family and and uh, maximize our efficiency, and uh, and then of course, then I was mentoring my younger brother and my younger sister to ensure that they stay out of trouble, helping them with their integration journey, and uh, and then long story short, um, had a successful career in finance in different roles. A lot of folks advanced me forward. And uh, then in 2013, we moved to Calgary. And here I am today. <laughs> That's an awesome, uh, awesome journey. Uh, one of the things I've seen you mention a lot on social media is uh, service above self. Uh, what does that mean to you as a, as a leader yourself? Yes, I have to thank Rotary for that. I've been involved with Rotary for as long as I can remember. 
I was a graduate of their Rotaract program, which is the younger version of Rotary. And uh, they have something called the Rotary Youth Leadership Awards. So service above self, uh, it means that basically anything that I'm doing in my life, I'm doing it for a greater good. And that's the DNA. I didn't realize I had that DNA. Um, I think I have to probably thank my grandpa for that one because he was a community police officer for many years in his home country. And then he became a politician and he became a senator. So we always saw him doing service above self. And then when I was involved in Rotary, uh, that really inspired me to scale up the giving. In fact, that's where I also met my my wife. And uh, so that service above self, I honestly think that that's the reason why I'm here today because I do believe in the multiplier impact. When you do this, it does come back to you. Uh, in fact, two or three of my previous jobs have been through referrals from Rotarians. And uh, right now, I also serve the district for the R Rotary district as a, a community evaluation expert. So, Well, that's great. I can really tell uh, that service portion with uh, Immigrant Services Calgary, just the impact you guys are having on the community for the last 40 plus years. That's um, right. Could you maybe go into a little bit more details on what sort of services you guys provide to new immigrants and how you help them integrate right. into a better life here in Calgary? Yes, thank you for that, Joe. We, we are, in fact, pursuing a courageous transformation of how newcomers should be onboarded to Canada. And we think that this could be the blueprint not only for Canadian immigration, but other countries could follow this. Uh, so why are we doing this and what are we providing today? The data shows that only 30% or 40% of newcomers will avail services. And a lot of folks think that they can do it on their own, which they can, in fact. But we're concerned about the time it takes for you to Google, to YouTube, to perhaps uh, listeners right now on this podcast, they're trying to figure out how to immigrate, right? Um, but we're trying to make sure that we look at three stages of immigration, the pre-arrival stage. This is a stage where you're applying. You made a decision to come to Canada to better your life and unleash your potential. So we want the gateway plan that we've created to help you with your goals, your needs, and your priorities. In fact, when we do, we've launched something called newcomer planning. The previous and the current status quo is called settlement worker or settlement case management. Uh, if you ask a newcomer today, would you like to be case managed or would you like a plan with your dreams, goals, and priorities? I think most people have, never, no one has ever said to me, yeah, I want to be case managed. So we think that this country is built on folks that had dreams. And uh, one of my CEO friends from BC, um, and he always talks about the value of agency which means that any individual has a right to pursue anything that they want, regardless of their circumstances, right? So there's something powerful there. When they arrive here, then we want to create a system where we have the Welcome to Alberta app at their service. So when they arrive here, they know where they're going to live, work, and play. A job is ready in two weeks. Your home is ready. You know where your kids are going to be enrolled in school. You're already like attending some networking sessions to see what life here is all about. So imagine how you onboarded in successful companies. You were given a 90-day period to onboard. 
So we want to introduce that. Then post-arrival, we're looking at the first year, which is critical. That first year, we want our newcomer planners to follow up with clients to make sure they're not falling through the cracks. That also includes employment counseling. We offer language counseling as well. And uh, it's not that newcomers you know, are coming with uh, low English skills, but sometimes just the accent or the words that we use here may be different on what are you, you know, some of the words that people in England use or Australia use or New Zealand use. Right? So, so those are the three things. But to boil it down, we offer um, economic unleashment, which means jobs and entrepreneurship. We want to get newcomers faster, um, integrated faster so that there's no, um, so they don't fall into the cracks with the survival jobs uh, issue that we have. That Because a lot of newcomers think, oh, I need to do a survival job for a few years before I'll be accepted by Canadians. And so what we're trying to say is that, hey, we accept you. You applied, you went through the whole process. Uh, so why can't we unleash your potential faster? And what we're seeing now, which is really encouraging and inspiring, is that folks are coming and they're you know, onboarding really quickly. They're creating businesses. In fact, they're job creators for us. That's the narrative that we're really proud of. That's awesome. Yeah, I really love the parts where you mentioned that that agency part, um, just really empowering the individual to chase their dreams or chase their potential. I think that's very important for anybody, especially uh, people coming into a new circumstance like immigrants. I'm actually an immigrant myself. I uh, came here in 1999, 2000 in grade three. So I was a little bit much much younger, but uh, so kind of went through those growing Same year as me then. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. So what would you say is maybe the one of the top challenges for new immigrants when they come into, into Calgary? I think it's the narrative and the mindset. So what is the narrative that you have for your own journey? Mm. You, in fact, decide that before you get on that plane. You probably remember those those visions or some some aspects of you leaving the country and getting on the plane. I certainly do. I remember a moment when we were landing at the Toronto airport and I was looking, my mother was on the left side and and all of her siblings were like kind of seated in the middle. And I still remember my mother's eyes. We locked in our eyes and we said, we didn't say any words, but we knew we were going to make it here. That we were not going to give up. So that mindset of grit perseverance. That's important. The second one is to enjoy the country. I've not, I wish more folks that I know that are successful were published in the news to talk about the amazing journey that they're having. <laughs> because when they come here, I've heard folks say, oh, that was, this was great, Hyder. Like I enjoy the mountains in Calgary or if they're out in the West Coast and enjoy the ocean. I'm doing some hiking, meeting some new people in the coffee shop. So take some time to onboard and enjoy the country too. Visit the sights and sounds. Become a tourist. And I think that will really help you in the right influence that mindset thing that I was talking about before. And you will meet the right people that will put you in the right growth mindset. So I think those two things are important. When it comes to then planning, get go to the our website, gatewayconnects.ca or download the app, Welcome to Alberta app. Get a plan done. Right? Talk talk about your dreams, goals, and priorities. You'll get a free plan uh, thanks to our good friends in the Immigration, Refugees, Citizenship Canada and Government of Alberta for that and private donors. Free plan. You have access to it. And, and guess what? 
probably when you came, Joe, there was nothing like that, right? Today's newcomers have access to that. So imagine that you can reflect back on your plan and see how you're progressing. You get an annual call from the gateway planner saying, hey, how's your family doing? Is there anything else we can do? So I think that's a very powerful transformational uh, pursuit that we've been uh, working on this journey for the past three years. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The uh, growth mindset you talk about, uh, thats I really want to dive into that. Um, obviously, on the podcast, I interview lots of entrepreneurs and other business leaders as well. And they always talk about mindset, resilience, grit, just kind of toughing through hard times and just being uh, a resilient person uh, right. overall. So for you personally, how have you really built that resilience? And somebody that's listening, one of the audience members listening, yes. how do they build their resilience as well? Yes. It's not about being perfect. It's about failing fast forward. And I would like to boil that down a little bit further. Allowing and giving yourself permission to fail and going through the through the despair that happens. Like a lot of people say, oh, no, despair, ignore the despair, just go ahead anyway. No, you, when you fail, you go through despair. That is a regular emotion. Feel that emotion fully. Go through the grieving period, but then have comeback power. That's where I think grit gets the muscle, just like how we work out or if you start walking, you're practicing the physical um, attributes. I personally think it's that muscle you're practicing. How quick is your comeback power from that setback? And so I think you can actually reduce the time for the setback uh, comeback. And, and sometimes you may not be able to in record time. That's okay. Give yourself permission. But I can challenge you that if you start practicing this, you'll become, you'll have this energy about you. You'll walk into a room or you'll go to work and people will give you the most complicated problems to solve. You'll start receiving calls from your friends and family when they're in distress situations and you're the go-to person. I've seen that and witnessed that. For the longest time, I didn't know why they were calling me. I just thought, you know, maybe because I garnered (laughs) trust. (laughs) But uh, I just, yeah, when you work on yourself, you can have a clear head. And then um, I think that's that's some of my own experience on how you can build that muscle. Mm-hmm. Has there been anything uh, in terms of resources uh, that's really helped you along your way to build that muscle? Oh, yes. Examples. <laughs> Tons of examples. So through Rotary, imagine this, right? Join associations or folks that have that mindset. For example, Rotary is all about service about self. So all the leaders there are mainly retired people and they have had successful careers. So why wouldn't you learn from them? So mentorship, power of mentorship has been huge for me. A lot of mentors have advanced me. Uh, My mentor, Lou Mulligan in, in Ontario, he's a retired executive. I met him through Toastmasters, which is another cell development club that focuses on public speaking. He knew that I was going to be a CEO when I didn't even believe in myself. And I would challenge him. I said, Lou, why are you boosting my ego? Why are you saying this? And he would give me examples on why I was destined to be that. So, you know, people open up your mind to possibility, right? Agency back, uh, agency and mindset again. So you start believing that. So imagine if, if you have the wrong mentor or someone who's not unleashing your potential, do you think, Joe, that you'll start believing that narrative too? Mm. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I also enjoyed the power of coaching and 
developing other folks as well that I had the pleasure of leading either informally or formally and not and controlling my own ego to a point that if someone was better than me, you still advance them so that they can achieve the highest potential. And it's not about you. It's about other people in the leadership journey. If it's about you, uh, I think people are going to see that really quickly. And uh, a lot of people ask me, how come you have so much energy after three years of doing this transformation? And, you know, and the secret is very simple. It's like when you advance your people forward and they do remarkable things to, to beat the status quo and this gateway logo that we have right now, our team created that, our heroes, as I call them, in three years. And I, even, I haven't even met my leaders in person, some of them. I've only met them 10 times. So how does that happen? So yeah, coaches, mentorship, if you want to boil it down, it's leadership that matters. There's no bad teams. There's a lot of people say that. There's only bad leaders. And uh, so I think it is something really critical. Mm, yeah, I really love that. I think what you mentioned about uh, mentorship, that's really important. I always hear that as a common theme on the podcast, find yourself a good mentor, find yourself a good mentor. Yes. Um, so for somebody listening, if they want to find that mentor, a good leader, as, as you mentioned, what's would be the best way to go about that? I know you mentioned about mm-hmm. joining organizations or joining um, associations, but right. if you really want to get somebody as a mentor, how, how do you go about that from, from your personal ex- experiences? Yeah. I, I think we should probably talk about the role of courage too. You know, a lot of times if you ask people, for example, if you see your hero in a room, you're going to a, maybe before the pandemic when we used to meet in person <laughs> um, and you see someone that you admire, right? How many times have you had the courage to go up to that person and kind of say your piece, right? Mm. Uh, sometimes you just freeze up. Oh, no, no. I don't know what they'll think of me. Oh, no. I think I'll come up too desperate. So one of the things that I've tried very successfully is use the power of LinkedIn. Go on LinkedIn, uh, add your heroes and ask them. <laughs> <laughs> very simple. So uh, I'll give you an example on that. When I was in, uh, in finance, there's this award called the Global Financial Planning Awards. And I kept on seeing this one name, um, um, Jason Pereira. He kept on winning the, the Global Awards. Uh, the joke in our community was that he had a double-sided business card. He had all the designations that <laughs> you can think of. <laughs> And he's a published author in Global Mail. He's a professor. He's like a top of his game, right? So I wanted to learn from him. So I went on LinkedIn and I just asked, I said to him, I said, Jason, I'm, I'm new. I'm a new leader. I don't know what I'm doing. Would you be my mentor and guide me in some of the decisions that keep me up at night? And his response was, yes. Uh, when do you want to meet? And, and Jason Pereira gave me 15 minutes of his time every quarter to invest in me. So here's the interesting thing that happened. After one or two years of mentorship, I beat him in that award. So he got second place or third place. <laughs> but, but he said to me, but you know, people like that, they're not wired for competition. So I always actually say in my leadership practice, we're here to complete, not to compete. If only if, if we started completing, we would see some great things in, in people. So so yeah, the LinkedIn is a big, big thing as well. And when networking resumes, and if you see someone that you admire, ask them. Hmm. I really love the part you say, complete people. 
uh, one of the key things I've really uh, admired about leaders or my leadership style uh, I try and practice is um, you're in service of others. You're you're they're not working for you. You're working for them. You're, you're exactly. supposed to put your your service uh, um, to them above all else. So I really appreciate that sort of mindset that you uh, uh, shed on this podcast as well. Thank you. Uh, one of the things, speaking of mindset, you mentioned earlier that um, for immigrants coming to the city, uh, having that mindset of grit and resilience is important. And you also mentioned um, to really explore the city, uh, mm-hmm. Calgary. Uh, so from your perspective, Hyder, how has Calgary changed right from when you first got here to uh, where you are today? Yes, it's interesting you asked me that because I spent the bulk of my life in uh, Ontario, so in different towns. Um, Milton, Ontario, Kitchener, Waterloo, and um, north of Toronto, as I mentioned before that, Mississauga. So when I was moving here, it was because of a really good job that was offered to me. In fact, actually, I came here for the World Social Enterprise Forum that was happening in 2013. And uh, the idea at that point was that we had a nonprofit that we were working on in Eastern Africa. And I just wanted validation from folks that it was right to kind of go ahead now take it from a paper plan to kind of actioning it. And so when I came here, literally all Calgarians that I spoke to, they just said, when are you going to do it? Start today. So it was, I felt like a lot of action bias. And I felt that people embraced me from day one. Now, a lot of people scared me as well. And, you know, sometimes this is unfortunate, but sometimes we can get a brand image out there that we're not the most inclusive city or we're not the most welcoming city. In fact, my experience has been quite the opposite. Folks took me under their wing. I didn't know anyone here. And again, the Rotary family embraced me. Anyone that I met through national networking embraced me. So, and I was also very proud to see that we had, I think, one of the first Muslim um, South Asian uh, mayors in North America. So what does that say about a city? So I was really excited about that and how it has changed over the years. I mean, of course, we've gone through a lot of ups and downs because of oil and gas. But that's what I love about our city. We have comeback power. Our people in the city, yeah, whatever people want to say about us in the news, I believe we have the best people because they have comeback power. They actually care for each other in the city. And again, people have advanced me here. Um, I, I got some really senior positions in my career um, from, uh, the, you know, you could say like the traditional management hierarchical structures, the same people, you know, advanced me. So thank you. That's a, that's a little bit of my perspective on how things have changed. And what I see in the future is that we will become the hub for international talent in the next five years. I think we are it. This is the best place to grow a family to network and the entrepreneurial vibe that we have here and the capacity of folks completing versus competing. Uh, I have one story to share with you, if you don't mind. It's from um, a newcomer that came a couple of years ago and he was an entrepreneur. So we're chatting about his life here. Very successful uh, business person and he had successful exits as well. And I asked him, I said, how did you make it here? And he said, well, I just came here. I wanted to get into the hotel business. And I approached other hotel owners and they took me under their wing. I said, you got to be kidding me, but that's your competition. 
And they said, no, they didn't care about that. They just wanted to advance me. And then I finally got my first hotel. And then one thing led to the other. You tell me a city where that can happen that I've only heard of that in Calgary. Multiple times from multiple other entrepreneurs, they all help each other out. Absolutely. That's why I love our city. Calgary is such a beautiful city and also lots of beautiful people in terms of their mindset, their ability to accept other people. Right. Um, that's one of the reasons why I moved back to Calgary. Actually, I used to live in Edmonton for oh, okay. um, my Great. post-secondary, but I moved back here just because I missed the, the hub of Calgary. The energy, right? <laughs> the energy, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, no so, pun intended with the end. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, so I really want to ask you also uh, what's maybe something that you're really curious about right now? That's something that's forefront of your mind that you, you'd really want to talk about. Yes, I'm curious about a lot of. Uh, first of all, I think we are primed to be, I think, one of the best cities to live in in, in Canada and in the globe. We always make that list. So I'm curious about specifically, first of all, for newcomers that are going to be coming in to create the economic advantage for us. 60% of newcomers are economic immigrants. So they bring some sort of human or economic capital and how they can be net job creators to advance our thinking and diversity. That's number one. Number two, I'm excited about all the innovations that are taking place in all industries. You look at tech, agriculture. You look at oil and gas, green energy. So I'm just, I, I sense that we we will continue to lead the narrative on what is the art of the possible, as folks would say. Um, and finally, I'm, I'm excited about the, um, the, the linkage that we would have with um, having good work-life integration as well. So even though we can be high-powered, high-energy people disrupting the status quo, we still have this community mindset of service above self, taking care of our own, not leaving anyone behind. I've seen that time and time again in Calgary. I've seen uh, that in the floods when, when I moved here in 2013. I was blown away by that. Every single Calgarian, we were all in it for each other, right? Competing versus competing. Uh, so I think when there's crisis, uh, we've got the Calgary family to kind of rely on. That's something really awesome. Absolutely. That Calgary family is very strong through and through. What's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? You know, I, it's always interesting because people will look at success, right? And make their own narrative on how you got there. But I wish people would ask me about all the failures I've encountered people challenging me both in a productive way, but maybe on the other side of the coin, challenging your integrity or your values or your skill level and uh, not believing in you. You know, so I wish we would spend some time on that to be more vulnerable with folks to say that, look, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's been a lot of, I guess, uh, grit and takes a lot of perseverance and a lot of mentorship and coaching to get there. Um, and a subsequent question I wish I was asked is that my accomplishments are not my accomplishments. And what I mean by that is that if it, look, no matter how many skills you have, you can have designation of the yin-yang, you can be the most eloquent person, 
as smartest person in the room. But there's always a human being, another human being that advances you forward, isn't it? Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're relying on a group of human beings to invest in your company. Uh, when you are applying for a job, it takes that leader to see your potential and then groom that. Uh, when you're applying for some uh, university, it takes a committee of human beings to see what skills matching you have. So, so I think a lot of times people forget that there's a, there's a lot of uh, hidden people behind your success. So I think um, we should honor that and it should ground us. Be more humble, lead with humility, and then pay it forward at a 10x level, right? So that um, we can take the net worth to our deathbed from what I've heard from folks. Uh, but we definitely can take all the relationships we have nurtured and the energy that you created in other people. I love that. One thing I always hear is your net worth is your network. So going back to what you're talking about, how it's really the people that you surround yourself with and um, right. who you really network with and who you're providing value to and um, giving back to. It usually always a funny way of it coming back to you somehow. So that's interesting that you mentioned Agreed. that. Um, you did mention one thing that I want to touch on. Um, one of the questions you said that you wish you would be asked is uh, about your challenges and your failures and being right. uh, vulnerable about that. So as you can imagine, my next question would be, what's maybe um, one of the big challenges you've experienced in your journey? And uh, that's really helped you build that uh, resilience, as, as you mentioned. Yes, I think there's a profound one that I experienced when we were, again, onboarding to the country. and when my when my dad wasn't able to get his, his job of his dreams. So his potential was not unleashed. So he felt, uh, you know, I think that he went through a period of mental health challenges because of that. And again, people were feeding him this narrative. Yeah. You know, this country is not for you. In fact, it's for your kids. So you have to sacrifice. So I disagree with that narrative. I think the country is for both parents and children. So I think that time was really critical because I remember I, uh, you know, I was working throughout high school, as I mentioned, at Harvey's. And finally, I got into the university of my choice. It was University of Waterloo. And I said to myself, you know, this is now my time to give to myself. So I'm going to really enjoy this. Uh, you know, I was excited about living on campus and really, I was going to really ace it, right? And enjoy my life. Because uh, my friends would always say I was a soccer player. Um, and... Uh, I remember going to the flea market once and choosing, okay, if I join the soccer camp, then I'm missing my Harvey's shift and I would do the return on investment calculation. <laughs> and so I would always choose the, the work, work uh, the cash flow at that point. So I got a call in university in first year, first semester from my mom saying that, uh, you know, things had escalated and my dad had left the home for a period of time because he just needed time for, his, for himself. And so I had two choices in that moment. Ignore that and move on with my life and work on my own potential or uh, stop the school and then kind of come back home and try to do a hybrid approach. So uh, after a lot of thinking, I chose the latter. And which is, again, why I think service about self is so critical to me because if I wasn't there for my family at that point, then what good am I as a leader leading my people here? Do I have the same sense of care? I know a lot of people talk about work-life balance, but in balance, one thing is always giving up, isn't it? 
mm-hmm. I, I like to talk about integration, which means that the values and the character that you build outside and how your experiences with your family, your friends, it's the same character that will show up at work. And vice versa, the character at work will show up in your personal life. So that was a big failure moment because I wasn't able to continue on university. So I flunked out of university that year. A lot of people don't know that about me. It's the first time I'm discussing that in a a podcast. Um, So I was devastated. But as I said about comeback power, once the family situations were resolved, we did roundtables every Friday, got everyone into the right headspace, started mentoring my siblings. Dad came back as well. We've all moved to Mississauga in this townhome. And that's where we begun our next phase of our step change. And we said, no, 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 we're, we're not going to leave anyone behind. So I'm, I was reflecting back in that moment in the aircraft when I looked at my mom. So it was kind of this bond that, no, not going to leave anyone behind. So I think that was one. Um, other one, there's just been so many, Joe, I, that I think we can spend <laughs> eight hours talking about my failures. But the other one, a profound one for me that I remember is when... I was uh, working for this organization and uh, I took a two weeks vacation to do this project in Africa. And what I did was that I kind of thought outside of the box and the, it was actually, I was teaching somewhere and I gave the students a homework, which was outside of the curriculum. And I said, you're going to go out and network with people and you're going to do live case studies. Um, So what happened was that I came back and somebody found out that I'd done this and they called me into the administration and they said, uh, yeah, that's actually what you did is, is wrong. And, uh, so, and I said, why? And they said, well, these students are international students. They don't have the skill set to do what you did. I said, but I came here to unleash potential. And I think one or two of them have actually gotten jobs out of it. And I remember the, the senior leaders comment back to me and she said to me, I'm, I'm actually starting to question your integrity. Wow. And uh, so of course the contract ended, but that really shook me because I said, only if she had known that I was in Africa doing a community project and I was thinking outside of the box here too, to be entrepreneurial. Um, and I guess the lesson was that just let them know next time when I was leaving. Um, but I found that an interesting uh, I had a setback, but then I, my bounce back power was that I spoke to my mentors and my coaches and, uh, and then I realized that, okay, I definitely could have improved a few things in terms of feedback, but, um, but I kept on going because again, the service above self thing saved me again, because what was I doing for the greater good? Yes. Check mark. Uh, was it fair to all concern? Yeah. Check mark. And was it building goodwill and better friendships? That's yeah, check mark on that too. So you kind of go through uh, the values are huge in that in these setbacks. That's my last point I want to mention to you. Organizations have values. A lot of people don't pay attention to that, right? Which is fine. I was one of them too. Now, as a leader, right now my value statements that I've created on the board are my lifeline. It's a lonely job leadership. You have a lot of need a lot of courage. People will doubt you. You're creating a vision for change that most people haven't even thought of. They're waiting for someone to create the vision of change, but you are the chosen one that needs to do it. Uh, So a couple of these things I think mixed up will help you uh, deal with those failures. 
Absolutely. I really love the, uh, again, that theme of service above self. It just keeps popping up and I can really tell that's, that really emanates from me. That's part of your values. And I could totally align with uh, that mindset as well. Um, you did mention um, work-life balance. It's really work-life integration. Uh, I recently saw that uh, you brought a new new child uh, last yes. year. <laughs> That's right. How, how, how has that been um, integrating your personal life with your more professional leadership uh, yes. side of things? You know, again, this is one of those things as a parent, you realize that you're not perfect. You make mistakes every day. And when my first one was born, you know, there was, um, you lose focus of perspective sometimes, right? Because you don't realize that that's a life-changing event. Um, but the thing is, if you look at child psychology and all the folks in the world, they say that the zero to five age or zero to four is the most critical. If you get that right, the rest of it is going to be great. So that's freaky, actually, because, you know, how many people wait for the kids to grow up to be intellectual so I can have an intellectual conversation? Well, if I haven't invested in my child, by the time the child is 16, uh, they're not going to listen to me because I've been grown with a child. So one of the things that I've learned from Maya and, and thank God for her birth, it's really changed me, transformed me, in fact is that I've learned to be with a baby where the baby is in terms of the development. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when she was three months, it's a different style of parenting. She needs to be cuddled and, you know, kind of hold her. Uh, Don't get frustrated at her when she's crying. Uh, Crying is a baby's way of communicating. But we think of crying as distress. So it's kind of like training your brain on how to be with the baby. And I'm really proud, actually, because of Maya, I've become a more present dad. For example, I can, I know I can anticipate our next moves and be in the now with her whenever we're in public somewhere. Uh, so it's been a life-changing experience. And also the pandemic, I think, has forced me to spend more time with her at home. And so I'll give you an example. Yesterday, one of her favorite songs is the Gummy Bear song. I don't know if you've heard it. <laughs> But, um, you know, we have this piano that was donated by a neighbor that was moving out. It's an old piano. So I was just jamming with her and she was singing with me. So it was my one hour break time. We were just jamming. I was recording her. She's watching me and singing. So so I think, um, yeah, the power of presence is what I've learned from her. Thank you. That's, that's really awesome. I think uh, there could probably be some gold nuggets there for leadership as well. Just the power of presence, being able to be empathetic and where right. the other person is. I think that could also help with uh, leadership as well. Um, I only have a couple of more questions here for you, uh, Haider. Uh, one thing I want to ask was, uh, where can people, listeners, uh, support Immigrant Services Calgary? What sort of initiatives do you have uh, in the forefront right now that people could really give to? Yes. Uh, you know, this, uh, this transformation, as you know, it's dependent on government funding, but it's limited. Uh, but a bulk of the transformational money is coming from our social enterprise because we think that we're advancing public value by combining all the sources. We don't want to be reliant on just one source. We're accountable to taxpayers. But we've launched this uh, campaign called Unleashing Potential. So when you go on www.immigrantservicescalu.ca slash donate, uh, I think that's one of the best ways to help out with the campaign. And this is a call out to all successful newcomers like you. 
you know, even $10 a month, you get a charitable receipt. Um, the money part is just one aspect of it. I, we would like to showcase success stories like you on our website. That's what we're after. So this is the first campaign we've ever launched. Uh, so that's a really good way to donate. The second way is, let's say, if you would like to donate your time, uh, then we have this uh, great volunteer department and we've got 1,526 volunteers in our database. So there's a lot of things that we can do from greeting newcomers at the airport to making sure that uh, we can uh, do um, homework clubs to taking newcomers out to all the different community assets. So please reach out to, to us for, for those two things. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll put those links in the description of the podcast so people could, uh, listeners Thank could you. easily get there. Um, so yeah. So I usually like to end the podcast on uh, the guests either mentioning a quote, a story, uh, or a question for the audience. Uh, so Hyder, my question is to you. Do you have any quote, story, or question to end the podcast? Yes. There's a quote that's resonated with me over the years. And in fact, my wife asked me about this quote. She asked me a question a couple of years ago. She said, what's one word that defines who you are? And at that time, I said, I thought about it a lot. And I said, soulful. Because when I was in finance, I was called the soulful banker for some reason. And again, I was advancing community forward and trying to balance both the compassion side of the equation with the focus side that you would need in a running in a running a private uh, you know, department. I used to manage a half a billion dollars portfolio. So the quote I would like to say is, never undersell your soulful value. Hi there, I'm Haider Hassan and you're listening to Joe Momo Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time.